Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the GNT Show. Once again, I am joined by a man who is into car swapping at Belmore Car Park. G. Car swapping? Can you do yes. that stuff legally? Don't you have to pay a stamp duty tax of 2% on a transfer? I don't know. It's your hobby, dude. Can I, what, what can I trade a Renault for? Uh, lots, lots. And we're gonna have, we've, we've had feedback that the pod's too long. So we are going to try and do a quick er pod today. And Hey, what can we do? The days of our lives, there's so much things to cover every week. I know, I know. Well, I thought we'd do it a little bit differently. I'd list some of the things that I've noticed this week. And then you can take us to wherever you want to take us, right? So first up on my list was um, Chad Townsend. And he's signing for the North Queensland Cowboys to partner Tom Dearden. That was that was big news with the halfback merry-go-round. The first piece has landed. Phil Gould, or shall I say Tyrannosaurus Rex's comments on concussion was somewhere else we could start. Penrith, I love the shithousery of Penrith going back yeah. and going on Matt Burton trying to get him to knock yeah, over I know, the it's great. I think it was yeah. fantastic. Henry Perinara's retirement. Yeah, not a good thing. The para player toilet tryst. Now, I actually do know who it is, but I don't think we should say. You weren't the one filming, were you? No, I wasn't, but I wasn't anywhere near it. But um, Okay. You were the one whose face was blurred out, weren't you? Of course. Yeah. Sam Burgess's comeback trail. The Broncos player retention, which rivals the Bulldogs for its complete awfulness. <laughs> yes. George Piggins is in hospital, so we send our thoughts and prayers out to George. Great South Sydney legend, kept saved the club, basically. Yep. The Jack DeBellin, not training with the first-team squad that's made Saints better. Ho- Holly Hazelwood, the transgender, came out as transgender, covering the Canberra Raiders in Canberra. Yeah. Fantastic, the way the sports supported her. And and two that I do want to talk about is it was, last week was the St. George District Rugby League's 100th year anniversary since its first game. So naturally, Saints did nothing to celebrate. Of course. That is that is absolutely a true story. <laughs> got a link to the juniors. I mean, this sport <laughs> is just, it is unbelievable. Anyway. Next week, there'll be a story about how the junior base is um, shrinking and what can we do about it. Yeah, oh, they did nothing for it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and um, last but not least is, um, of course, the Titans mascot showing support for Reggie the Rabbit by... Hoisting him on their shoulders during the during the game on the weekend. Hey, Reggie the Rabbit's taking over. Mate, they love him. They love him. So where do you want to start? There's, it's the days of our lives. Well, I had the Battle of Burton, which I think is hilarious. I just love the shithousery. Like... You guys deserve this. The dogs deserve oh, this. Oh, no, hey, fair enough. They were trying to get him to break their contract. You're, you're not doing the right thing by Matt Burton by not releasing him. And two weeks later, hey, you guys aren't doing the right thing by Matt Burton by not letting him stay. I just love it. I love the shithousery yeah, of it. Uh, it's the both teams have been honestly idiots. Penrith less so, at least initially, and now I think the Bulldog shithouser has resulted in Penrith basically giving them a big fu You're and correct. trying to get him to stay. And to be honest, if I was Matt Burden, I, I think this has got to have some legs later in the year. I think Trent Barrett's like, oh, I've talked to him all the time, all the time, and he's still coming. They're paying him massive unders too. I mean, if he was on the open market now, he'd be he'd easily he get seven, eight hundred grand. Yeah. yeah. So they've got him for a bargain. Number one. Secondly, you know, he's in a team that's winning and has a chance to win the comp. And the Bulldogs, let's be honest, are a few years away. So if that. So well, you got your first win of the season after I gave you guys an absolute serve last week. You finally, I might, I might save that serve for the Sharks this week. But anyway, 
I think the to- toilet sex thing has been interesting. It's resulted in multiple <laughs> feuds in the paper between Catherine Lumby, Peter Valandis. She doesn't correspond with our values of the sport. Which part? Which part of her values does not correspond to the sport? It was Just a out stupid of comment. But to be honest, in relation to this specifically, I don't disagree with him. I agree with Catherine and I agree with Peter Volandis in context for this Parramatta matter only. It's a consensual thing. I feel sorry for the Parramatta player. It should be like Andrew Webster wrote a great article about it. It should be something they pull them aside and say, hey, you're you're a footy player. People are going to film you. So be careful. As long as it's consensual, you know, is it the best setting in the world? No. But to be honest, like what business of mine is it? I'm not I'm Exactly. Not I agree with this. I've got no interest in it. Both were consensual. Exactly. You know, I just don't think third parties should be recording this. And what, no, what some of our listeners have said is they haven't, the hypocrisy of you making this stand hasn't been lost on them as someone who likes to film a lot of things. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, and Catherine Lumby in regards to this has sort of piped up, which is not the right example. And Peter Volandi just shot back. But in different matters, she, she obviously is right. But for this matter in particular, I actually have to say Peter Volandis is actually right. But she also hasn't been following the Emperor, where the Emperor just does not give a shit what he what he says he or thinks. And I don't I don't think like, he's it's irrespective of gender. This is a man that stared down COVID. He stared down a global pandemic to get his sports started. He does he is not afraid of anyone. So I think the toilet sex thing, it's like you said, I'm not interested. You know, it's consensual, it's why are people filming this shit anyway? I should ask you that question. What's what, what do you get off on filming this stuff, G? Don't know. The other thing is Latrell Mitchell suspension and Wayne Bennett coming out and saying, "Oh, you know, it's not fair and it's it's sad." And, and the, then this like, stuff about the judiciary that it's not transparent. Man, this is it couldn't get any more transparent. How about we ask David Noah Faluma's face? What he what? what, what not his only face that. Of it. <laughs> not only that. How much more transparent can it be? I think the system works fine. It's just that a player got rubbed out. There's inconsistency on the field, not off the field. Yeah. You know exactly what the charge is. You know how many points it is. You know what the carryover points is. And before they even go to the judiciary, they know how many weeks it is. Why is this not an issue in the AFL that has exactly the same system? Well, I don't know. Not as convoluted or people understand it a little bit better. But in terms of Mitchell, it's amazing. Because, oh, look, Latrell has been playing great. But because it's Latrell Mitchell, it's a big deal. But if you'd say like Jordan Pereira getting wiped out for six games, no one's going to say anything well Jordan Pereira should have absolutely been sent off on the weekend but anyway let's interesting thing around contracts is Matt Dufty seems to still be on the nose at the Dragons they're a bit iffy about re-signing him which I find a little bit bizarre and like you say Chad Townsend good signing um, I think for North Queensland it's kind of I don't think it's Chad Townsend I think it's the Broncos player retention so can I Tom not only Tom Dearden they passed up on Sam Walker Dave Fafita went to the Titans and Reese Walsh, who made his debut at fullback and had Roger Tuivasa-Shek move on to the wing on the weekend for the Warriors, looks another one. So the players are coming through. They're picking the wrong ones. Yeah, they're picking the wrong I ones. I think there's this philosophy of the bigger the better. Reese Walsh looks like a mini Caelan Ponga. I know he's played one game, but his balance, his speed, his skill. I mean, how can you not see that? Like, what are you doing? I love the article about Maguire possibly being sacked. Because he's lost yeah, the well, I room. thought we'd cover that off in the Tigers game. Danny Widler mentioning that Gus Gould should be part of some committee to fix other areas of the game. This is the same guy that said, hey, we need an under-20s competition and we need to get rid of reserve grade. Then when he realised that people actually develop better when they're playing against reserve grade and not going straight up into the NRL, 
then he started complaining that we're missing reserve grade because we don't have a pathway anymore and that we need to get reserve grade back. And then now he's gone back to saying we're missing the under-20s again and we need to get rid of reserve. Like, he flips and flops because I don't. he's kind of just deals with what he sees a problem at the time. I don't think he sees long-term what the ramifications are. Did you, did you so, hear see his comments on concussion? No, I actually didn't see that. How he said that. the doctors and the lawyers are ruining the sport? And it's gone mad that the, that the rules are in place to stop lawsuits, not to protect players. I actually think they're a little bit haphazard because I think they're trying to adjust and find a way to protect the players. I actually think they're doing the right thing. It might seem like it's a little bit... I think it's a tone-deaf comment. Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm glad that they're taking the players off and making sure they're okay and then putting them back on. As much as you can, check that they're okay. So I, I think, like you said, totally tone-deaf. And he's the guy, apparently, that's going to fix issues in the game. Well, I mean, I just, I just think... <laughs> How about the Warriors, Phil? Fix that. <laughs> How about you start with the Warriors, Phil? Oh. You didn't comment on Sam Burgess's comeback. Apparently, he's been approached by two clubs. Inevitable. It's probably the Bulldogs, because we need any person that can actually run walk properly. You need another second rower, don't you? <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> you need another second rower. Do. Because you don't have enough, you can never have enough second rowers. No, absolutely not. Well, the good more. news is, the good news is, if you recruited Sam Burgess and stuck him at five eighth, he'd be the quickest player in your backline. It is quite possible that he would be. He'd be faster than John Hop- um, than Will Hopperwadi, That's for sure. He wouldn't be faster than John. Let me tell you, he probably <laughs> wouldn't. But um, look, old old crouching crouching tiger, hidden finger Hopperwadi. Oh, old joke. Uh, but yeah, otherwise I haven't really picked up anything other than that. But the Battle of Burden and the Eels Toilet Sex, you know. The NRL's gone a bit crazy. Normal week, yeah, of course. Normal week for you? Definitely. Toilet Sex, yeah. Battle of Burton. Yeah, normal. <laughs> just, 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 like to At least the Bulldogs seven. have got to get up. You know, give us some off-field scandals. Give us some excitement, please. Well, it's you guys save it for Mad Monday anyway, usually. Of so course. Yeah, that's because so. there's like 74 cameras watching everybody's move. <laughs> Whilst the other clubs are burning, you know, starting bushfires, probably. Nothing's covered. (laughs) Starting bushfires. Well, allegedly. Allegedly, of course. Let's get on to the games of this week. We'll start off with the Thursday night game, round seven. Uh, To kick the round off, we had the Panthers versus the Knights at Penrith Stadium. Sellout crowd, and the Panthers got up 24-6. Panthers too too good. Uh, Tyson Frizzell had a difficult night on the Knights' right edge. Oh, Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't his best game ever, was it? Um, no. The Panthers, no, the Panthers were cruising at ten nil up after thirty minutes. Then a seventy meter try to the Knights off the back of a bad missed tackle by Kikau on Kurt Mann, before offloading to Toa, who again was mad, badly missed by Dylan Edwards, made the score ten six. I, I always felt like the Panthers were dominating the game, and the Knights didn't really look like scoring in the first thirty minutes of the second half as well. But the score remained ten six, so the Knights did a good job hanging in there until they finally scored from a scrum set play to make it 16-6. And it was Yeo, uh, Isaiah Yeo on the inside to Dylan Edwards, and, and effectively the game was over. I love how you butcher that na- that name all the every time. time. Every time. It's great. Uh, because, because I'm Turkish, I pronounce it as it's written. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. So in the end, the Panthers ran out 24-6 winners with Nathan Cleary again the best for the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers had much more punch with Dylan Edwards, I thought, at the back. He ran for 254 metres. And Brian Toho ran for over 300 metres. He was almost unstoppable, Brian Toho. Fantastic um, so, again. Yeah, Love it was him. great. For the Knights, um, I thought Kurt Mann was good, and they were brave and really had a go. You can't fault their effort. 
I, th- I think other than Kalen Ponga, they didn't really threaten. Very quick game. That's the other point I'd make. There was lots of restarts. Yes. Ball was barely out of play. It was, you know, you could tell that the players were out on their feet. I've got a question for you, though, on this game. Mm. If the Panthers don't win, will they be the best team since Para in 2001 not to win the title? I mean, they're undefeated at home in two years. They basically, other than Para last year during the regular season... They've lost like three games in two years. Look, it's possible. I think last year you could argue they were the best team, but Melbourne was their match, right? Whereas in 2001, despite the Bulldogs having a brilliant year that year too, when you looked at the for and against, the Bulldogs outscored a lot of teams, but you know, kind of hung in games and beat them. The for and against wasn't that great. And they were second. Para was light years ahead of everybody. Para was million times better than everybody, and they didn't win, whereas Penrith has an equivalent in Melbourne. They're kind of almost like for like, I think. But in terms of... Um... Yeah, but Melbourne's already won. I just think I just think if the, with this playing group and these guys, I mean, if they don't win a comp this year, next year type thing, and then the, the team, because of the salary cap, gets split up, you know, I, th- I don't think they would have filled their, fulfilled their potential. I, th- I think there's a lot of pressure on Ivan okay. Cleary to get, get, get a premiership there. This will be the most talented group since 2001 to not win a premiership, I think. Okay, taking it from that angle, yes. I would say that for a period of one or two two years where they're literally dominating everybody. Okay, Just dominating. Melbourne, they are dominating. That probably This probably would be the best squad that hasn't won a comp in a long, long time. They're, they're phenomenal. They're athletic. We've talked about them. They're fast. They're incredibly skillful. They can go both sides of the field. Their halves link up. The move of Crichton back to center and Dylan Edwards back to fullback, like you say, gave him a bit more punch. And it allowed Crichton to become more effective in the game as well. Momorowski's not getting back in that team. And I don't think Burden's moving from center. No, I agree. I agree. And the scary thing is, I would say that with Burton now and with Crichton on the other side, Crichton's athletic enough to adjust to being on that side and adapt. They're better. And they've still got people like Naden and Momorowski on the bench or in reserve. So they've got depth as well, but their forwards are fantastic. And Nathan Cleary, like we talked about it last week, he can almost just pick his moments and just do whatever he needs to do. But the Knights, I thought, hung in for a long time. Fought. They really did. They fought hard. They defended hard. They had a go. They definitely had a go. But they don't quite have enough. The try to Stafford Tower was fantastic football. The offload, him hunting, a winger hunting around, picking up the ball in support and then and sprinting away and throwing Dylan Edwards away as well. But they just don't have enough to trouble a defense like that over 80 minutes. They can piece them once or twice, but not. they can't score five tries against Penrith. So I thought the Knights were really hung in, but just Penrith's on a different level. I really think that was it. Too good. Too good. And and the good news for the Panthers is Cameron Geraldo is going to see out his contract this year and next year, so he'll be there as their defensive coach. All right, we'll move on to the next game, which was um, a throwback to the 80s. What a game between the Titans and the and oh, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Jimmy Dimmick, welcome back. What Jimmy a Dimmick. game. What a game. The South Sydney Rabbitohs got up in the end, 40 to 30, 70 points played. This, If you haven't seen this game, this is everything it. about it. rugby league. Everything about rugby league that makes it great. Alex Johnson was named at fullback, but Cody Walker played played there in defence and was the third ball player in attack with Benji, who was named at centre, but he ended up playing in the halves. I love Wayne Bennett. He's 70 and still playing these games on the opposition. You know how usually you get players, you know, they, they replace a second rower at the last second and it's like, yep, we're throwing something at the other team. We're really, it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah, this was really clever. 
I actually think this was really clever because I don't think you would have picked Cody Walker going back to fullback, and I thought that made all the difference for the Rabbitohs. I think that won them the game. Well, the three ball players, right? They were kind of matched up well against the Tyrone Peachy. Yeah. Um, you know, the with him at lock, so that the, it kind of it really did work well. Even going back to round one, these are the two teams along with Manly that are trying this three playmaker. I and mean, the Manly doesn't have the cattle; they probably do with Tommy Turbo now. But they do the three playmaker. Option. So it's really interesting to see how they go. Both teams had attacking intent from the start. Oh. What a first half. Some great tries. <laughs> Honestly, and, I can't and believe. Benji, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds were great. But David Fafita got a first half hat trick. And both teams threw the ball around. They, it was just end-to-end stuff. It was fantastic. This, I mean, this this was the game. This may have been the game of the year. The Easy. Try of the, Easy. It was the try of the year by Jamal Fogarty at the end of the first half. It was absolutely bloody brilliant. You know what I love, and this is why I do have such affinity for Jimmy Dimmy, is that they let their players do that stuff. Like, they just went bang, bang, wide pass, and just trusted their their footballing ability. That was an amazing try. Amazing and try. Length of the, It wasn't length of the field, but it was just... Yeah, 100, 105 metres, basically, yeah. Corey Thompson caught it a couple of metres in the in goal. The try to Jackson Paulo and the try to Cody Walker. Cody Walker had his hands in everything, coming in, hunting around the rucks like an old-school fullback, but with the skill and the ball-playing ability and vision to add, like you say, that second ball player. Third, actually. They got Adam Reynolds and Benji, yeah. That made him very hard to defend, but I can't... This game was incredible. Incredible. The, the How about David Fafita's second try? What the hell was that? Oh, I know. He's the unstoppable. Ball, I just went, he ran at six people. Bang. Dane Gagai was never going to stop him. We said that last week. Oh. Dane Gagai was never going to stop Dave Fafita. The Titans led 24-10 at halftime, and Souths in the first half only had 64% completion, and they had 32 missed tackles in a half. Now, 60, that was from Titans pressure, though. That it wasn't was. Souths. Yeah, there was just the Titans just really attacked the South's right edge. Yeah. And the Titans were spectacular in that first half. I don't... That's the thing. I watch this game and you look at it at 40-30. I think that this, like you say, is an example of what modern-day football can be, where it's got that 80s-style backup, don't die with the ball, always look to play off the next person. But then also with the speed and explosiveness at which the game is played nowadays... I don't think the defense was bad. I actually just think both teams, the tries were magic. Like nearly every try was unbelievable Unbelievable. Football. Unbelievable. The Bunnies, and the Bunnies came out on fire in the second half, right? And oh, Benji yeah. and their left yeah. edge just tore the Titans up on that left edge, right? Scoring three tries to go up 30 to 24. Tyrone Peachy then leveled it up with 10 to go and got up and absolutely gave it to Cody Walker, which was, yeah, it was good, just good to it. see. Good it was great. It was just such old school footy. And then Benji wound back the clock for another amazing try down the left with the over-the-shoulder, no-look basketball pass. Just spectacular. He just sort of cut in and just left it. He lofted it up for Alex Johnston to hit the ball at pace. It was just like, it wasn't really a flick pass. He just floated it. Over his shoulder. There was no look. But he thought Alex Johnson was closer because Alex Johnson picked that ball up he around did. knee high. Yeah, he did. But it's like he floated it up and allowed him to adjust his run. Unbelievable football. And the last try is probably the only try where they went ahead where I thought, shit, that was bad defense, where Philip Sami came in when the center already had the guy and he left it. But they were shot. They were shot by that point. The Titans were shot by that point. And then... And then Fotoaka gave away two penalties. Adam Reynolds kicks the goal and the game's over, 40 to 30. Just just everything rugby league can be. What a spectacular game. You know what it reminded me of? 
it reminded me of a game from the 80s. Yeah, but... Just faster and more athletic, right? But the style of football was more like the 80s football. Absolutely. I just, I just can't praise this enough. This was just a fantastic, fantastic game. I only have one question for you about this game. Fire away. I thought the Titans, if that wasn't anybody but the Rabbitohs, they'd blow them off the park, right? Because their football was unbelievable. South's defence tried to keep track of it. And you know what? I... It was a great game, don't get me wrong. But I'm not sure if you had to rank the defenses in the comp. Who, who would you rank? You'd Melbourne, Penrith, Para. I'd have all of them above Souths. I'd have all of them above. Definitely, those three are the three best defensive teams in the competition. Yes, and I don't, even if they played this way, I don't think they would have got over Penrith and Melbourne. I, I just think there's a golfing class. No, there is. And what what was interesting about this game is when the Titans were throwing the ball around, you can see some of Souths' players. They actually don't have that long distance speed. Like Campbell Graham got stood up a few times and he could yeah, yeah, turn and chase 20 or 30 metres and then he would die. So he's great in the short bursts. But once you open the game up, other than like Cody Walker and Alex Johnson, South can struggle if the other team's got enough firepower. Well, South match up quite well against Para, but they I, do. Don't think they yes. wa- I don't think they watch match up. Well, you never know. They did do good at the end of last season against Penrith and Melbourne. But I just think they got Melbourne and Panthers have that much. They got another gear to them, right, when they're playing these games. They got an extra bit of pace. That I don't even think the Titans have. Mind you, my other comment is Corey Thompson, was he responsible for about 74 missed tackles? Like he stepped literally about 30, and I'm not exaggerating, probably 30 people. Corey Thompson and David Fafita, for the, I mean, we watch all every game of rugby league, right? Corey Thompson and Dave Fafita have been by far, along with Tino, the Titans' best players this year. Yes. Corey Thompson's been sensational. Corey Thompson's been sensational. And Dave Fafita has been great too. I mean, he's not as great in defence. He, he, he's, he's, he's not a great lateral mover in defence. But I think in attack, he gives you so much. Oh, if you get him in space, like seriously... He scored nine tries or something. Eight tries in five games or something. That second try, he went up against South's pack and he literally just ran over six people and threw them out of the way. Like, no one does that stuff. No, like, It's no, unbelievable. Right. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, not even kick out on... The, on the fly, like there's no one like him in the comp. So I do think though the Titans sometimes can fall in love with him a little bit and I think they're struggling in other areas. The one thing I wanted to ask you about this game is, and this also goes back to my comment about sometimes teams don't recruit well. You said Benji can do a job. There's a few teams that could have picked him up, but he was unwanted, right? They sometimes, I, I don't think coaches can, they just go nah, too hard. Whereas Bennett's taken him and gone, you know what, I can do something with this guy and he can add a little bit of touch of class. I actually agree with Wayne here because, and and, I, and, I, and I'm happy to say this because if you go back and listen on the old pods, I said this last year. Yeah. Benji's defence, he is not a week in, week out starting half anymore. He's not, in, you're 100% right. But if you've got him on the bench and you need a spark or you want to rest your halves against the weaker teams in the comp to, so that they're primed for the finals... Who would be better in that role than Benji Marshall? I can't think of anyone that, that would be better in that role. How is that person not an asset to your... And look at the way the Tigers are going. You know what Luke Brooks and Adam he could use with? Use? Benji off the bench. A mentor. Someone during the week. Like, I don't get it at all. Madge versus Benji. That's a clash between the two. One of them had to go. Forget about Madge. Forget about the Tigers for a second. I'll tell you another team that could use with use Benji, all right? That their halves are struggling. Brisbane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't sign him. Yep. They could have, they could have used him off the bench. He would have been old head, got him around the park, done a lot of that. Let me give you another team that could have used him in the halves, yeah? With Mitchell Pearce getting injured. The Knights. The Knights, yeah. Agree. Let me give you another team that could have used him. 
North Queensland with Jake Clifford. He's a young half. He needs Scotty Drinkwater. They need a bit of an old head. He's he's not on a million dollars a year. He's on two hundred and fifty grand a yeah, year. Yeah, he's actually a, a cheap in comparison to a lot of the players. It's it's an absolute no brainer in my book. And 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 all these clubs passed him. I have reservations about the way they recruit players. I think people are obsessed with particular types. And if you don't fit that type, they overlook how your impact. And Matt Dufty is a perfect example for me. Just on this game though, other than Cody Walker again being just sensational and Benji adding that touch of class on the fringe, is with the Titans, right? Ash Taylor is overweight and unfit. Oh, he's not playing well. We've been saying it for weeks on the podcast. He's actually not playing well. He's better on the weekend, but he's, he's overweight and unfit. I agree. Yeah, so you can see his skill, but he struggles to like sometimes follow the play and he can't chase. I agree. So maybe he's injured or whatever. But this is my last question, last question about this game, other than you have to watch it. It's just an amazing game. Is are the Titans unfit? Because they seem to die quite a lot. Like they couldn't keep up that intensity while Souths could. Yeah, there's something in that. There's something in that, G. It's almost like they're too big and they can't keep it up for 80 minutes. Short off-season. Yeah, I, I think they're struggling with that. I really do. And AJ Brimson seems to be picking his spots but isn't as involved as he used to be, which I think is actually not helping them a little bit. Well, one thing I'll tell you about that I've noticed about AJ Brimson's body shape is he's muscled up a little bit. Okay, yeah, probably. Because he doesn't seem to have that breakaway speed. Trying to break tackles rather than go around people. Do you know what I mean? Agree, yes. And last year, he would run away from people. And this year, you could see that he's not quite doing that. He doesn't have that breakaway speed. It seems to have just come back a little bit, but he seems to be able to bust tackles a bit more. Yeah, so it's interesting. It'll be interesting. So that bottom half of the eight starting to get interesting now. That the, you know, the, I think the Titans are playing okay. I mean, but if I'm if I'm Justin Holbrook, you know, I think defensively, they've got a few issues. They've, they they've do. Conceded, they've conceded nearly 80 points in two weeks, right? So they've they got do. A, yeah, they, they've got they've got some things they need to tidy up in defence. All right, let's move on to the 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 Channel Nine game on the Friday night, which was Parramatta, the mighty mighty Eels against the Brisbane Broncos uh, up in Darwin. How about our prediction? Th- this will be a tight one. <laughs> Far out. Yeah, we got really close. I mean, Brisbane got yeah. within forty points, so it was amazing. Oh God. The game was in Darwin in really hot conditions. It was 31 degrees at kickoff. I mean, Brisbane were going to lose this game right from the kickoff when Xavier Coates dropped the ball. The very next set, we scored in the corner and Mitch Moses kicked the goal. And I went, oh my God, we're going to kill these guys. The Broncos hit back through Tavita Pangai Jr. before some end-to-end football resulted in another Sevo try. Plus yeah. to go up 10-6. Uh, Para then went back-to-back and kicked a penalty right on halftime to make the score 24-6 at halftime. Like... It's typical Broncos. They can stay with teams for 20, 30 minutes and then they just lose their bundle. Um, Paris scored again right after halftime uh, through the Broncos' right edge. They really targeted uh, Brody Croft and the love bug, yes. Herbie. Yep. And it's 30-6 to six at this point, right? And so then all of a sudden, that Broncos' right edge, Bryce Cartwright comes on and he absolutely tore them to strips on the left edge. He's a silky smooth ball player. Para needed him. Remember I said that he's a good signing. I think he adds a bit of an X factor for them. He does. He does. I mean, I don't understand why the Broncos passed up on him. Uh, not the Broncos, the, the Bulldogs. If he was available on the market, he's on very little money. Yes, he is. He just wanted a chance, right? He just wanted a chance, right? I, I, don't, I don't quite get and, and you guys love second rowers. So of anyway, course. Bryce Cartwright was great. And if he keeps playing like this, he will definitely resurrect his career. And he, and he scored 10 minutes into the second half to make it 36-6. I mean, I mean, poor Channel 9 is all I can think of. <laughs> Their game the previous Sunday was the Cowboys-Bulldogs blockbuster. Sponsored by Mr. Yawn. You remember Mr. Yawn's Mattress Factory? Sleep yeah, Makers sponsored that one. Oh. 
or, or wasn't it the tip? The transfer station. Know. Yeah, it's anyway. A terrible and game. Their, and their next game is this. The next Friday night game is this. I, can I just say, I think we know who the most senior broadcast partner is given the games Channel 9 are getting at the moment. <laughs> it's, just, it's just woeful. Um, and, and after that, though, I'm not going to say too much more because Para put the queue in the rack for the last 20 minutes, but not before a miracle try at the death after Mitch Moses' magic. He looked like a soccer player, right? A footballer. Yep. Again down the left edge, and the game finished 46-6. to Kevy Walters gave them an absolute serve. I thought the Broncos had turned the corner last week, given their effort. They lost 46-6. Let me put it to you this way. They lost 46-6, and they were lucky to only lose by 40 points. Yeah, I would say so. If that was first round of semi-final, Parra would have racked up 70. They, how many times they dropped the ball, They, you know, they, all that sort of stuff. They absolutely would have gotten 60. I just think you watch this game, and I think for me, it's again, it's hard because the Broncos hung in for a little while, but I thought Parra is playing a more expansive game and they're actually starting to... I just think they're, they're playing at a higher tempo and they're looking for offloads. And the thing is, it's a bad matchup between Para's left-hand attack with Papali'i and Sivo and then Gutherson coming in and even Opacic had a good game. And against Croft and Hart Farnworth, you know, they, they, I mean, Croft tried, but the thing is, it, it's a golfing class, right? But the thing is, Para also came at them in waves. And yes, they dropped the ball, but... When you got that golfing class, if Paris coming at you with skill and playing up tempo footy, you can't go with them. You're not going to match them. Um, and I think for Para, these are good games that can sometimes make you a little bit overconfident because of the golf between some of the teams in the competition. But it's also an opportunity to sharpen your attack and your your style of play. And I think Para the last two weeks have really taken that on board and really sort of attacked. They attacked Canberra's defence and they attacked the Broncos. Canberra hung in because they're a little bit of a better team than Brisbane, but. Brisbane just couldn't go with them, to be honest. And I think Brisbane is still a young side. And I think once they sort of get into a game, they hang in, they hang in. And once they feel like they can't win... They drop their bundle. They drop their bundle and they let it go. Now, Kevin Walters blasting them and all that kind of stuff. Mate, get your head out of the sand. Your team is young. They're trying to grow. You can't blast them after three weeks or four weeks. He was mollycoddling them for the first few weeks. He's just run out of ideas. But his team's not that good. And I think he's... he's... <laughs> Thanks, Scoop. What gave it away? <laughs> he can't go out there with the expectation that they're going to make the eight. His focus really should be on their effort and just giving it all they got and improving the They're players. the Broncos. That's not their thing. Yeah, but you know, there's also the people playing for the Broncos. They are the Broncos. It's not their thing. And to be honest, I think you're seeing the ramifications, like I said, of the salary cap. Years and years ago, you used to get the what were they called, the thoroughbreds, oh, yeah, the that's special right. horses, and you know, they used to get Ben Barber all of a sudden <laughs> going up horses. there for um, extra money to be closer to his family, even though he lives in Mackay and Sydney's probably closer to Mackay than Brisbane is. I know it's not, but. Or pinching Anthony Milford for massive money. The higher the cap's gotten, their advantage isn't quite as isn't quite as large as it used to be. So I think now they're struggling with their recruitment. They're struggling player retention, player identification. Yes, and they're picking the wrong players, but their players can get poached. Yeah, just there's a lot of I think there's a lot of problems in the front office there. I really do, and I'm not sure the solutions Gordon Tallis either in these old Broncos greats. It's not that. It's just you mismanage like. The difference between, I think the difference between, you know you know which teams are near the top? The clubs that are run well. Yeah, pretty much. I think so. They've got a philosophy of play. They've got a little bit of solidity, if you think about it, and um, continuity as well. Like Cleary's been there for a while now, and they've, they've been patient, or they didn't have to be that patient with the youngsters, Penrith. They're an exception. But Para, there's been multiple times where the press has tried to get Brad Arthur fired. Yeah, Brad Arthur got the wooden spoon one year. Yeah, but the thing is, 
you could see that Brad Arthur could coach. And I'm glad their front office saw that and said, you know what, it was just an off year. That happens sometimes. And he's been great. And the team, yes, it has its flaws, but you know now they're starting to bring players through and they're all playing pretty well. Paris got the continuity. The Roosters do. You know, Melbourne does. And even now Souths. And these other ones that are looking for the quick fix isn't quite working. The Broncos aren't what they used to be. There's no, other teams no. that can pay big money for players too now. So they aren't the Broncos, but they've got to be a bit more patient. Otherwise, you're going to burn these young players out mentally. It's too hard. Well, on that note, let's move on to the not-so-super Saturday. Although it was better this week, the games were a bit closer in the blockbuster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've waited a long time for this on Super Saturday. We've waited seven weeks to get to this moment. So what I want you to do is I want you to get your New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve celebrations, your poppers Very out. Very funny. Very funny. Your cake. Get yourself a glass of champagne. Not 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 Grange or not wine, but your glass of champagne for the Bulldogs' first win of the season. They beat the Sharks 18-12. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this game. Canterbury came out playing well. They, they, really, they started the game really well and got some purchase through targeting Josh Dugan on the right. Josh Dugan had a terrible start. All I can say is thank you, Josh Dugan. <laughs> That's it. The Sharks' execution was poor throughout the game. They had a lack of patience. They dropped balls over the line. They had incorrect execution of set plays. Um, bad last t- tackle options. I thought Chad Townsend was poor, um, which is not what he would have wanted after signing for North Queensland. And once the Bulldogs got up 18-0, they were desperate in defence to hold on, right? And, 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 and they held on with an 18-6 lead until the Sharks score with four minutes to go. And the last five minutes was like a reserve-grade grand final. I mean... <laughs> It was just terrible. The Bulldogs scored all their points in the first 20 minutes and then gave away 11 set restarts or penalties in the last 20 minutes. And referee Chris Butler, he didn't have a great night either. Like The Bulldogs were laying... All, go back and watch the last 20 minutes of that game and they were laying all over the play of the ball. There was like six-second play of the balls that didn't get set restarts. So Chris Butler didn't have a great night. Now, Talakai got, got sin-binned. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to ask you what your thoughts were that about that are. On that specifically, I'm still 50-50 whether that was a shoulder charge or whether he used his arm. It was almost like he used both at the same time. I, I didn't think he went in just with the shoulder, but then he hit him high enough that it was more the shoulder than the arm. And I think because he hit him so hard and the aftermath and Matt Dewey was really shaken up, the poor kid, I think that made it. It magnified the hit a lot more. Adam Reynolds came out and said, what a joke. Like I said, I don't necessarily think it was a deliberate shoulder charge. They're treating it like it is because of its impact. And I think rugby league is very strong, incorrectly at times. How can I say? Managing the outcome rather than the actual offence itself. Can I can I just have a controversial opinion? I did think it was a simbin. Oh, no, it was a simbin. It was a simbin. We didn't talk about this before because it, it, this, this is... And there's been a few incidents like this. It does polarise opinion. And I can see where Adam Reynolds coming from. I can see where you're coming from and the arm and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's not a look the game wants to promote anymore. And that's it's as simple as that. But not a six-week suspension or whatever they, they want to try and get um, Talakai for. I don't think... It was that deliberate that he needs to get a gigantic suspension. I know that's not the look you want, but it's also, it's not part of the game. It's just, you know, getting suspended for a week or two and then also getting sinbin is punishment enough. You don't have to then suspend him for seven weeks because the hit was so hard and it was a 50-50 one that it doesn't look good. You know, then you start to get credible inconsistency. You get star favours. You know, if Latrell Mitchell did that, you know, I mean, he broke Nick Meany's 
ribs with an, a really aggressive over-the-top hit. Perfectly legal tackle. You know, is that something as well you're going to suspend too because Nick Meany got injured? It's a very physical game. They're trying to stamp out the shoulder charge. And his arm didn't come around enough. That's the issue. I Look, I don't disagree with that. I think it's a 10 minutes in the Symbian and maybe a week or two suspension is sufficient, I think, for that. But I don't think it was that deliberate that it needs a long suspension. No, I agree with that. And, and, and just one last thing I'll say about this game before handing it over because you deserve your moment in the spotlight. Um, Trent Barrett was really emotional after the game and he said it's probably one of the best wins he's ever been involved in. This club's been through the ringer. I actually felt, as much as this pains me to say it, it was I felt for your fans. I think it's great that they got up and they deserved it because they are some of the more passionate fans in the comp. So, so congratulations and what did you think about this game? You're crying now. You're crying yeah, now. Yeah, I am definitely. And I think it's fantastic that the hugely passionate Are you crying fans or did of... you put Vaseline in your eyes? No, just crying. Um, oh, good. I've got fake tears. Um, I, I think it's great that the passionate fans of the Sharks and the Bulldogs, you know, really turned out for the huge attendance of 7,420 on, on I was going to comment on that. It's fantastic, fantastic day. Great weather. And it was a huge turnout at Cogra, which is actually in the middle of the traditional areas of both teams. So it's actually not a far distance historically to go to the game. So I'm glad there was a lot of passionate fans there. That game, thank you, Josh Dugan. I have no idea how the hell they won that. <laughs> there was desperation at the end. There was desperation But at the, end. the Sharks, if they were any good at all, would have scored they, 30 points. They took them lightly. They just, the execution was terrible. And Chad Townsend's got to ca- carry a lot of blame because they just took them lightly. Like, they just needed, there was really poor execution. Like incorrect execution, execution set plays, they weren't direct bad enough. last action options, dropped the ball over the line, just terrible. They, they tried to score straight away instead of being patient. And they tried to go around them a lot without necessarily going and challenging the defence at first, which is why they got bundled into touch so much. Does Hiroti know where the try line is? I mean, he, he planted no. the ball like four times short of the try line. It's the one with the white line. And most footy players know how to find the white line. Any other day, any other game. Saturday at the cross, especially. Yeah, those five or six times the Sharks got over the line would have been a try. The Bulldogs' attack, again, was absolutely woeful. It was dreadful. And the Not only... in the first 20 minutes, though. You targeted Josh Dugan. You didn't drop the ball. Okay, it, didn't, it wasn't Titans football. It wasn't Titans football. But you got over the line. We did get over the line, but thanks to Josh... The second try by Nick Cottridge was purely just Josh Dugan fumbling a bomb that landed in Nick Cottridge's hands by accident. Oh, and the first one was he just he was, he just he was he wasn't at the races for the he didn't come I don't know whether he didn't warm up or he didn't listen to his but he just didn't he, he was still in the dressing shed. The one try that was a, a good piece of football was Nick Meany's try where they actually had him come in hunting around the forwards and hit the ball at pace and actually pierced through the defense and scored a try. That was good play. Other than that, they didn't look like scoring for the next sixty minutes, and really the Sharks handed him that game. There was. Again, that desperation in defence, which was good to see. Even Dylan Napa, I couldn't believe it. He was coming up with tackles on the sideline. I don't know what the hell he had for breakfast. His first stint, his best 20 or 30 minutes of football in two years, Dylan Napa. I think this is what he probably used to show at the Roosters on occasion because he had to live up to the standards around him. Whereas now, I don't know what he did, but I haven't seen him play like that since he's joined the Bulldogs. Chasing down people on the wings and coming in with last-ditch defence and tackles. Look, it was a, it's great that they won. It was good for the players. They were happy. But 
my God, the Sharks, watching that game, other than the first 20 minutes, they should have scored 30 or 40 points. They were not very good at all. They bombed no. at least four tries they bombed. You're the most miserable. This is, You're even more miserable than when you lose. Okay, they won, right? But the thing is, if the Sharks were any good at all or had turned up to play properly, it was almost like they needed that kick in the ass, and in the second half they thought, shit, we might actually lose this, and then they started to play. They, if they were like that from the beginning, they would have won that game easily at a canter. Take away two ridiculous errors, one decent try, and the rest of it, it did, they didn't look like scoring T. That's the problem. They did not look like scoring the rest of the game. No, they didn't, but they won. And that's a start. That's a start. I'm not disappointed they won, but Jesus, Trent Barrett has a long way to go. My God. We've got a question from um, a, a listener. Where's your cat? She's on hiatus this week. She's What's decided she doing? That she's just taking a break. She doesn't want to be part of the pod. She's just recovering. <laughs> from what? From her hard life? If you're in the St. George area, you might see a man with a leash on a cat walking them through the streets. That's G. That will not be me. I've seen that on YouTube and it does look utterly ridiculous. That's you. That's you. But to be honest, at least my cat's more aggressive than the Tigers. We're going to get to the Tigers, the poor Tigers. Look, it's great that they had a win and they were desperate in defence. What kind of comp are we in? Where the Bulldogs, where the Bulldogs are in the fourth least problematic clubs. The Broncos are in disarray. The Tigers are in disarray. The Sharks sacked their the coach. Sharks, I mean, they, they yes. completely shot their season. The Sharks have got like the Roosters and Melbourne and bloody all these tough games coming up. They're going to be like three and a, three and seven. They're not. They're, they're not going to make the eight now. Great decision that one to let John Mor- John Morris. Go. I do, why would you do it this way, the idiots? Well, wait till the end of the year. Just say, hey, look, we're going to review Correct. at the end of the year or whatever. But, you know, Metatesta is um, apparently upset that he's not getting all the kudos for signing Craig Fitzgibbon. How about you throw away you this know, season when the team was actually playing pretty well not, and all of a sudden... The reason you're not getting credit is because you bombed a season and got rid of a very popular coach after he got you to two final series in a row. Well, maybe Mitsutesta should have come down and slapped some of the players before <laughs> just, the start just of the game, the just to fire them up. He needs, he needs Scott Morrison there. But they took it easy. Again, good desperate defence at times by the Dogs. A bit of a change from the first five or six weeks. Less soft through the middle. But the Sharks absolutely bombed that game. Yeah, all right. Well, on that positive note on the Bulldogs game, let's move to the next uh, next game on Super Saturday. North Queensland versus Canberra. Another team in disarray at the moment, the Raiders. The yeah. Cowboys won their third game in a row. The game was 6-all after tries to Rapana and Felt. Uh, but then I th- and Tom Starling copped a lot of heat after the game. And, and right. I thought Tom Starling in attack was quite good. Um, yeah, I know he had a I couple agree. of forward passes, but... He was he was much more dynamic from from the ruck, and I thought he he set up two tries, and Rapana scored his second to make the score twenty four six to the Raiders with two minutes to go till half time. They were great. They were great. Thirty eight minutes, first thirty eight minutes, they were fantastic. And then George Williams, poor George Williams, who is really out of form, dropped the ball, and North Queensland scored to make it twenty four twelve at half time, and that was basically it. The Raiders went missing in the second half completely. And they lost the second half fourteen nil. Yeah, and it and, and it was just it was just wave after wave of North Queensland attack. And I thought it was Scott Drinkwater and Valentine Holmes' best games of the season. And yeah, you know what? Agree. In the end, North Queensland deserved to win it. I don't know what is going on at the Raiders in the second half, but basically, same happened. Same thing happened against Para. Same thing happened this week. Whatever's going on at halftime, they are coming out in the second half and not trying. They're just they're putting the cue in the rack. 
are they not trying or are some of the Raiders a bit too fat to keep up with the new speed of the game? But not straight after a break. They've just had a 10-minute break. It's not like it's coming. It's not It's not like they're falling off in the 70-minute mark. They're falling off at the 41st-minute mark. Maybe Rick Stewart's halftime talks aren't going as well as they used to. I don't know. Maybe he's not throwing enough chairs or smacking walls or ripping well, I'll tell doors you what, off the hinges. I'll tell you, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question about Canberra. Mm. Is their window closing? Yes, we had it's, gone. This com- it's gone. Is it gone? It's gone. They're too Ooh. slow. They're too slow. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not prepared to write them off, but if they don't get up this year, because some of those players are getting older. They are getting older. I think, look, in the first half, I agree with you, North Queensland seemed to have gotten a little bit more confidence the last couple of weeks, I think. It's the third win in a row, along with Manly. Like three weeks ago, they were shot and... Both teams have won three in a row. Well, you've got a whole change. Todd Payton's trying to shake things up. I think it's taken them a while to adjust. But I think you're starting to see he's allowing them to play football. I agree with you. Valentine Holmes is starting to play better and better each week. And he's starting to get involved in the game a lot more rather than sit back. But that also might be Todd Payton's coaching. I heard him on the radio also talk about Scotty Drinkwater and say that he really um, believes in Scotty Drinkwater and he's been shifted around a fair bit and it's good to get him playing at 5'8". And I think he's going to do a good job. It's, you know, sometimes players... Mate, they wanted, Melbourne wanted to keep Scotty Drinkwater. Melbourne wanted to keep Scotty Drinkwater. And he's been shunted around because he can play in different positions, but he's probably now got a coach that's like, Scotty, you know what, I believe in you. And he's starting to come good, right? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, his defence isn't great, but he's got, it's going to take no. him a little while. Scotty Drinkwater's worth investing in. And I think Scott Drinkwater, Tom Dearden, although where do you move Scott Drinkwater with Chad Townsend well, and Tom Well, don't Dearden know. There? Good question. That's a good question, right? So... Where does Scotty Drinkwater go? Because Val Holmes wants to play fullback. Yeah, that does contradict what I just said, but maybe Tom Dearden's on the bench. Maybe Tom Dearden's a hooker. He seems to have some belief in Scotty Drinkwater, and I think he started to play a lot better. And he's done that. He's shown shown that faith in him by recruiting Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend. Look, I don't know what's going on up there, but he seems to have turned a corner. Sorry, the the games you watched on the weekend, 2020 or 2021? 1983? What did you watch on the weekend? 1983. I thought, yeah, okay. um, I thought Mal Meninga was fantastic. For gee, the gee, that Brett Kenny's a good player. The Raiders in the first half, I agree with you. I thought Tom Starling made a big difference. I and thought he made I a felt, massive difference. He did. He made them quicker in attack. They looked slicker. They were a little bit rusty at times, I think, because they're so used to playing with Josh Hodgson coming out of... Canberra's attack has looked disjointed all year, and I thought with Tom Starling there, it's looked the most fluid it has in that first It has, but you could see there was bits... You know, there were times it looked still looked disjointed because Yeah, it's of that. not perfect, but it's only week seven too. Exactly, and first week he's come back in as starting hooker, but what I found is Jack Wyden was back to his best. He was yeah, that's coming right. at it with that's space right. and ball playing, not just running... It wasn't the Josh Hodgson show. No, that's right. I thought that actually made them look really slick. And 24-6 up, you know, I thought they were going to run away. Not run away with it, but I thought they were going to win the game. I think that try gave the Cowboys, just before halftime, gave the Cowboys a bit of belief that they could still win it. Completely swung swung the game. It sh- the Raiders still should have come out, and they seem to go into their shell. And that's what I found is the Raiders need to be able to score points. I think they're trying to be a little bit too rigid in their, their attack. The good teams are playing with a lot more versatility now and a lot more variety in attack. Paris started to mix things up. Melbourne, um, they're adjusting their game plans. The Roosters, and I don't think Canberra's quite got in there. But first week with Tom Starling back, I think if you've got a couple more weeks with him there, I'd bring Josh Hodgson back on the bench. I actually would start Tom Starling. But good win for the Cowboys. Can I give you a controversial opinion, yeah. given how George Williams is playing? Drop him and play Josh Hodgson at halfback? Yeah, I would do that. Jo- George Williams is playing poorly. Actually, probably not a bad idea. 
when they made the grand final two seasons ago and George Williams was... I still thought Aiden Caesar was the better player at the time. Yeah, I don't know why he got let go. You you wonder why with some of the halfbacks playing... Um, and apparently he's retained. playing quite well for Hull. So he is. He's a good player. He's, he's a good player. Anyway, all right, we'll move, we move on to the Anzac Day games. And first up, early kick early kickoff was 145. Wests versus Manly. I naturally is this the Tommy Turbo game? Well, we've only got 45 minutes this week on Tommy Turbo. Uh, what a difference one player makes. Um, I, I tipped Wests, so naturally Manly won the game 40-6. to six. Having said that, I thought the Tigers came out really motivated with Brooks and Luciano and Norfoluma causing Manly's right edge a lot of problems, leading to Luciano scoring off a, off a Brooks scrubber. <clears throat> then all of a sudden, after 30 minutes, they missed a few tackles with Josh, Josh Schuster bursting through on the left and Tommy Turbo on the right and scoring three converted tries in five minutes, and the game was over at 18-6 at halftime. And then Wests absolutely capitulated in the second half. Manly just went on with it in the second half. The Tigers just looked like a team down on confidence and lacking resilience, uh, a bit like the Broncos. Manly win three in a row for the first time since 2019, and DCE and Tommy Turbo were absolutely fantastic. They really targeted Dwayne and James Roberts on the Tigers' right edge too. So it was just... It was just a uh, great, good thirty minutes for West. After that, just they're they're a club in crisis. I think it's called not believing in the coach and the game plan. But I think it's more than the coach. I think there's this two. This it's again poorly run club. Recruitment's bad. Talent retention's poor. Talent identification. Well, is it? Poor. I mean, Madge McGuire's fought, fought with everybody. Like he's had Moses and By. He's made him worse. He fought with Benji Marshall. He fought with Josh Reynolds. He fought with everybody. No, I'm not. I'm not saying he's the right coach. But what I'm saying to you is, yeah. you could put Bob Fulton there. And without the right talent identification, the right talent retention, the good salary cap management, good front office management, they're still not going to go any better. It's not just the coach that's the issue. They've got problems all the way through the club. And actually, Justin Pascoe as the CEO has got to take some accountability here. They're letting good players go. The players they should keep, they're not keeping. They're not identifying talent. Other teams are taking their younger talent. They're just... This could have been so much different. I, I read a stat during the week, actually over the weekend. Since 2012, every team in the NRL has played finals except West Tigers. They've made the semis except Wests. Oh, I think they've been diabolical in terms of their retention and recruitment. Aaron Woods, Luke Brooks. Aaron Woods Mitchell, is crap. Mitch, Yeah, but just hear me out. Mitch Moses, James Tedesco. This was four or five years ago they had all these. Whether you think Aaron Woods is good or not, it was enough to build a nucleus around and attract more players to the club at that point in time, and they have gone completely the other way. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I don't understand why they let Mitch Moises go. I don't understand why they let Tedesco go. I don't... Uh, look, I do know at the time that they were being shopped by their manager, I, which I believe was Mr. Isaac Moses. But so what, gee? So what? No, but as a trio. So maybe they wanted only to keep, you know, maybe they wanted to keep two out of the three. Gee, do what Des did. did. Keep Tommy and Jake happy. Keep DC. Like, there's ways to do this. If you've got that spine of those four or five players, you you've can got to bring keep them. other players. You can bring yep. other players to the club. You've got a nucleus of talent that you can build upon. But I never understood why they let Andrew Fafita go. Like, it was so obvious. Like, yes, he's got his flaws. But if you watched him, you thought if this guy gets into any shape, he was just physically one of the only players in the comp as a prop who had the agility of a back and the power of a... Uh, I, you know, a colossus type of thing, and, and the, they just let him go. Colossus and the eating habits of KFC. Well, that's the pro. That was part of the problem. But 
you know, you could see he's telling them they just let him go to the Sharks. And I just thought... Mate, I'm just saying to you, all I'm saying is I'm not disagreeing with you that Madge is the wrong coach, but just sacking Madge and bringing Tim Sheens back or whoever they're going to bring back isn't going to solve the problem because they need a root and branch review of the bloody club. I think they need to do something with their philosophy around development of players, irrespective of the coach. Because I think Madge has gone in there and go, I don't like this guy, I don't like this guy. And he's gotten his players now and they're still getting flogged. So I think he's got a certain type of play a certain style of philosophy of play sorry and he sticks to that regardless and he just gets his big boppers to try and steamroll the other team and honestly now the defenses are so good that that doesn't cut it anymore and they're just not good enough do you think if they had craig bellamy you think they're going to make the semis yeah i do no maybe no, not I the don't. semis but they're no. not going to be getting flogged by 40 points every week no but they're not going to make the semis maybe not but the thing is they're not going to get flogged every week gee i get it i understand what you're saying but i think what it's the same thing with the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. It's the same thing with your Bulldogs. Is Trent Barrett the right coach? No, but they've got, you've got other problems you need to get to first. Of course. I totally agree with that. I think um, part of it is retention and recruitment. It's not just Madge. You can bring you can bring Wayne Bennett there and he's you're still going to finish 12th. Okay, but as an example, Addo Carr and Pappenheisen, they're in their development system. Madge Maguire won't play those guys. They're out the door because they're too small. That's just his style of play. Corey Thompson... You see him playing for the Titans. They didn't want him because he wasn't good enough for Madge Maguire, right? Why isn't the football department and the front office managing this then? How do you know he's not playing them and they're not saying to him, we can't afford to keep them? Look, I'm I'm speculating on this, obviously, right? But I think I think there's more complexity here. And I just think, I don't think it's just the coach. I don't think it's... Uh, Madge is part of the problem. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I think there are bigger issues there. Look what Phil Gould did at Penrith. They were having all sorts of issues eight yep. years ago, and Phil Gould did a root and branch review, concentrated on the youngsters, and actually they're pay- they're reaping the rewards of what Phil Gould sowed eight years ago. For all the criticism we give him, he's done a great job. He's there. got look, of course. I, I joke around about Phil Gould. Of course, he's he's a bit of a sav- footy savant, and he's got you know got an understanding of that stuff. It's not like he's and I think I think the West Tigers are exactly the same. I think the West Tigers are exactly the same. They need someone to come in there, take a long term view of eight years away. And just do exactly what the Panthers have done. Because the talent's there. Campbelltown's a nursery. I don't disagree with that. I just think um hasn't been very good. As for um Manly, I mean, Tom Trebojevic, just incredible. His impact on the last two games. It's his speed, his ball playing, people his can't hunting. see People can't see what you're doing, but it's really weird. I'm very excited. He's, he's just his tracking of the ball and he's popping up in the middle on the side. He He's playing like... Brett Stewart, and he's made he's made a huge difference, and now Manly's believing that they can win, and their confidence is shot through the roof. You can see their confidence has increased so much, their enthusiasm. They're playing at a different tempo. So they believe they can win now. And some of the tries, I mean, and Cherry Evans is is energized. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think Cherry Evans was playing that well at the start of the year, like you mentioned, right? He was getting introduced to his teammates just before kickoff, Cherry Evans. That's what it looked like. Now, all of a sudden, he's following every single you know break and coming through the middle of the field. And the good thing is Desi's letting Josh Schuster play as well. Some yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. power and the skill. He's not a second rower, though. He's not, but he probably needs to trim down if he's going to... He's got to drop 40 or 50 kilos if he wants to play in the halves. Yeah, he's got, he's got to drop a bit of weight, but I see him as a, a skillful ball-playing lock. Fringe lock. Tell me again about Tommy Turbo. Mate, what a player. Honestly. I did say last week, hey, when you actually really think about it, at their absolute best, I love the fullbacks, but when they're actually at their best, Tom Trebojevic is the most well-rounded fullback and the best fullback in the competition. Wow. Better than Teddy. 
Yeah, he is. He's a better ball player than Teddy. He's I agree with that. Unbelievable under the high ball. He's got incredible speed. He's got agility. He's got vision. But the problem is, it's almost like he's so finely tuned as an athlete. I mentioned before that if one tweak goes wrong, he pulls his hamstring or... But overall, he's kicking. Like, he's got everything. It's just... Sorry, I just received an email from Mrs. Trebojevic, uh, Tom's <laughs> mum, and yeah. she's asked you to stop hanging around Brookvale. Um, Tom, I'm just after an I'm just after an autograph. Yeah, but when you lift your when you open your trench coat and and ask him to sign what's underneath, it's confronting. Yeah, but good look, good to see Manly's football. The style of football is great to watch. You're seeing their players are more energized. Jason Saab, I'm actually gl- glad to see Jason Saab playing with a bit of joy and enthusiasm, and Kieran Foran as well. Different doesn't look like a different player, but you can see that now they've got to account for the danger Trebojevic is bringing into their attack. He's got more room to, to operate in. He's not just getting smashed by the defense because there's no one else um, running off it. But again, that dynamic fullback is making Desert System work. And he's probably got one of the the best in the competition. He has got one of the best in the competition. And speaking of joy and happiness, I just want to, before we move on to the Anzac Day game, the traditional Anzac Day game, I want to once again comment on how strong you've been this podcast and the podcast in the last few weeks. The fan club, your secret admirer in my house is very impressed by your performance. Fantastic. I think my performance is verging on the Tommy Trebojevic scale. I think if Tommy Trebojevic was playing netball, yes. Okay, that's fair enough. That's okay. Hard cuts and ag- aggressive spins. Okay, East versus Saints, <laughs> the traditional Anzac Day game. Uh, you just, you, you know, I love you. We've known each other a long time, but you, you get stranger by the week. Now, <laughs> oh, there's the cat. Hello. Now, for those of you that don't know, G's cat is, of course, called... Silver Mist, actually. That's not true. What is it really called? Misty. No. It's called Sam Walker. It is not. Madge Maguire, a real tiger. So, the traditional Anzac Day game between the Roosters and Saints. Um, I thought this was going to be a close game. It wasn't. The Roosters got up 34-10. It was a tough first half, which I thought... I actually thought the Dragons were the better team. Yet Tarek, Tarek Sims scored early and, and the Dragons had another one disallowed. And it was right up until um, Jordan Pereira got 10 minutes for a swinging arm on Tedesco, which, in my opinion, should have been a send-off. And then the Sam Walker and the Roosters kicked into gear from there. There was 16-6 to the Roosters in half time. In the second half, Drew Hutchinson got ankle-tapped, and I wanted to mention this, by Cody Ramsey. And it was, it was like, it was like you know, have you seen those demolitions of a building? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he looked like going down. Just going down Hutchinson. slowly. It was just easier to score. And, and, and Ben the ball Marshke, flying upwards like the smoke and dust. That's right. And Ben Marshke then held up the Saints from taking a quick tap from the 20, resulting in another 10-minute sin binning. I thought Ash Klein had a shocker. I didn't think that was a sin binning. I thought Jordan Pereira should have been sent off. What have you got to do to get sent off if that is not a send-off? And then... Down to 12 men. The Roosters then went up a gear. Pereira dropped a Sam Walker bomb, and Sam Walker scores individually to make a 22-6. Sam Walker, what a player. What an instinctive player. He's only 18. That kid's got the whole world in front of him. I hope they don't bulk him up too much. I don't hope they overcoach him. It's what makes him great. The Roosters went on with it. The golfing class between the teams was really there to see. The Roosters are really short-manned, but dominated. 34-10 in the end. What did you think about this game, Jay? I actually thought the class difference is what made the difference in this game. I know that sounds silly, but it's more... No, I, I agree. The I, Dragons, just, I, just... I don't think the Dragons played that bad. It's just they're not as good as the Roosters, and they couldn't... They, they toughed oh, they it out. I thought... Different, 
different levels of class. Yeah, right? like I thought players. the Dragons actually played pretty well. I did not like the move of Jack Bird to halfback. I thought that was a silly, silly change. He's not a halfback. He's been running good lines at centre, and I think it was wrong to kind of drop Adam Clune. I thought once Adam Clune got a little bit of room to move at the back end of the game, I know the game was over, but, you know, they created a little bit for Saints. But I thought the difference was I thought the Dragons played really well. They were throwing stuff at the Roosters, but the Roosters' defense is so fast and so well drilled that the Dragons couldn't capitalize on their domination, right? I mean, the Roosters' defense is top four. Top four it defense. Is. Absolutely, right? And, and that's thought... Trent Robinson's background, right? He was Brian Smith's defense coach. He's just, an, he's, just, he's just a defensive coach savant. I think that's what the difference was. The Dragons, I thought, again, played really well. And if, well you, actually, that... if you actually look at the way they defend, they... I mean, have a look at it, and I know you don't watch rugby anymore, but and I and I'm, we mentioned this in previous weeks. They have got a lot of rugby coaches in there, and their defensive patterns are very rugby esque. Well, mate, whatever their their pattern is in terms of copying rugby and taking you know bits and pieces from the other code, which I think is is fantastic outside the box thinking, right? Rugby union's been learning from league for years in defence. Yeah, you know the codes are not as dissimilar as sometimes we try and make it out to be in Australia. And I just think that their defence was just too well drilled and too good for the Dragons to actually build up a score, even though the Dragons played decent football. I do think Adam Clune on the bench probably didn't help their attack at the start of the game or for that 30 minutes where they hung in. The back end of the half, Pereira gets um, sent to the Simbin. The um, Benjamin Marshke Simbin was a farce. It was an absolute farce. He barely held him up. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was silly. But um, it wasn't ten minutes though. No, it wasn't. It wasn't professional foul. Ten minutes. I think Jordan Pereira's sin binning, and then the rooster Sam Walker basically took took over the game. The, Too the, good. The long ball, Tupanua. Tupanua scored. I thought Tupanua played really well. He was back to his best. Yeah. Sam Walker, the, the you know the instinct to step back inside, and then the actual um Nat Butcher to follow him through the gap and look for the offload from the young halfback, which was really good opportunistic football reading. I thought Nat Butcher was really good through the middle. There was there were a couple of times he got into dummy half and he was he was gone, right? They couldn't get him. Yeah, and this is what I mean by these good teams are playing off each other now. They've changed their style of football a little bit. Where Sam Walker's stepping in, they're not waiting for him to get tackled. He's not looking for an offload. He's got a player to offload too. They're reading the game and reacting to what's happening, which is actually, it makes your attack far more dangerous and harder to stop because you're reacting to what defense is doing rather than just going through your, your set plays. Um, I thought the Dragons defended pretty well for most of the game and, mate, eventually it was just Sam Walker magic. You know, set up basically Tupanua's try with the long ball. He set up the Nat Butcher try and then scored one himself and kicked the goals and then all of a sudden... A 6-4 lead turned into, you know, 24-6. Game over, right? And game over. And, um, it was, it was and really then I think the Dragons... Round, actually. Yeah, and I think the Dragons then lost a bit of belief that they could come back. Um, the Drew Hutchinson almost trial was brilliant football, by the way. And, except um, for the bit where the building fell down. Yeah, that, that except the last bit. And I think the Dragons' spirit got broken after a while. I think they their resistance broke because they realised... They did. They, they, did. They, they couldn't... Keep up. I thought they defended stoutly, but the Roosters were just too intense and, you know, too good defensively for them. Too good. Imagine how much Roosters would have won by with Luke Keary there. But imagine Luke Keary and Sam Walker playing together. Oh, I know. I know. It's a... Here's, a, here's a question for you. With Do you think the Roosters can win the comp at full strength? No. Oh, full no. strength I do. Full strength I do. With Sam Walker. Not Luke Keary's gone for the season, right? But with Sam Walker. Can you ask me the question again? Okay. You said full strength. 
That includes Luke Keery. Okay. Do you think the Roosters can win the comp with Sam Walker and not Luke Keery? No, I don't. All right. I don't think they can, but I think they haven't lost as much as I thought they would have. They're, they're going to be one of the top six teams. We've got six, we've got six teams that are fantastic. Top four. Top six teams. Best teams in the comp in no particular order remain Melbourne, the Panthers, Para, the Roosters, Souths. They can get their shit together. Then the Raiders are the only other ones that are there. The Raiders but are they, in their own group. They're like the sixth place and then the rest are at a different level. Th- there's no one else that can win the comp no. other than those six teams. And now of those teams, it's, I think Sam Walker's a year too young. I just think he needs some more games under him. Drew Hutchinson's not... I'm not sure Drew Hutchinson's quite ready yet. Sam no. Beryls isn't back at hooker. You know, like, they, yeah. they've got some injuries. Just just come semi-final time, and if you're playing a full-strength Melbourne or a full-strength Para or a full-strength Penrith... That's where it's going to catch up you know, to it's them. it's hard. Like, yeah. like, they, like, the Souths have towed them the last two times they've played them. Sam Walker's brought a different dimension to some of their attack. Luke no, Keery's incredibly direct, but he's added a little bit of. He's just a footy player. Sam Walker's a footy yeah, player. Yeah, like he's added a little bit of a little bit more instinct to their sees, attack. Yeah, he sees, he plays what he sees. Yep. Okay. We'll move on to the six pm game on Anzac Day uh, and the last game of the round: Melbourne versus the Warriors. Melbourne Storm got up unsurprisingly forty-two to twenty. I mean, the st- I don't have a lot on this game, right? This was just a shellacking <laughs> the Storm, and in particular. Um, Storm Storm came out and Piccola came out on fire with Jerome Hughes He's on the on the right. Jerome Hughes was fantastic on the right. He set up four tries in the first half, attacking the Warriors' left edge, um, and it was twenty six four at halftime. Um, jo- Josh Curran, unfortunate to be sin binned. Yeah, he got binned with what I thought was a legal hit on George Jennings. Oh yeah, that was there was nothing wrong. No with that sin hit. binning. There was no sin binning in that. I mean the refereeing. I think Emperor Volandes has had a word to the Daily Telegraph and they're not commenting. The refereeing's been really poor this year. And because it's not penalties, it's six against, the media's not reporting on it. Yeah, it's not as obvious. It's not as and obvious. So, but, but they're paid to watch and commentate on these games. Yeah, I know. If we're seeing it, they should be seeing it. So, I mean, they just blew them away. Jerome Humes was the class player on the field. The second half lacked a bit of intensity. Both teams knew the game was over at 26-4. Um, and for the Warriors, I thought Reese Walsh showed a lot of promise on debut and, and clearly not someone the Broncos could use. Ken Mamolo got a hat-trick, and Ken Mamolo's been playing really well for the Warriors. Um, they did take a step back, but having said that, the Warriors, um, they were never going to beat Melbourne in Melbourne, right? And that was really the long and the short of it for this game. I just, I mean, there was some good stuff for, for me. I think Jerome Hughes was sensational. I mean, right. even the first try to Jennings was a great play. The whole but, thing, you know, I mean, he was just, he just went bang, 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 yeah, bang. Yeah, it was like tries. slow... Slow yeah. build-up, but then all of a sudden, the offload... And this is the thing. Remus Smith has started to come into his own now. The step back inside the shove and the offload, um, holding up the defence in the offload. But then Jerome Hughes looking for that offload and the great banana kick to um, Robert Jennings was a great try. But he's beating players. His support plays fantastic. Like you say, he's attacking the line. And his ball playing has gotten a lot better, Jerome Hughes. He's looking more and more natural, Especially the trial where he put Kafusi in, where he ran to the line, and they kind of targeted Nikarima a little bit. I had to say this, but Cody, you got sucked in a little bit, and they kind of created space by targeting Cody. This is the problem with some of these halves. I, I've said this to you before. There's only there's a handful of elite halfbacks. Getting a good halfback is really, really hard. But you know what? I also look at Luai, and I think to myself, you know what? You stick Nikarima in Penrith, and I love Luai. Is he just as dangerous? No. Okay. Fair enough. Um, no. No, I don't. No, I don't think he is. I think and and, and Jerome Jerome Luai is not a half. 
You know, you know who Jerome Luai is? He's a bit like mm. Dylan Brown. He's not there to play, make. He's there to be magic. No, he is there to be magic, of course. And that's what I mean. Like He's not organising the team. He's not doing all that sort of stuff. I, I think organising the team and doing some of that stuff is more Cody Nikarima's game than Jerome Luai's. So I don't think he yep. is good in the Penrith setup. Uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita may be a better suited to the Penrith setup than Cody Nikarima, yeah? Because Chanel Harris-Tavita, I mean, he's out for 12 weeks, but he plays a lot more instinctively and naturally. Yep, well, I think Cody Nikarima's been forced to play that role. and The Broncos let him go. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know about the Broncos. Here's the thing. You look at Cody Nikarima and the, say, instinct and ability of him and Milford and Milford's effort, which one would you have kept? I would have kept Nikarima. Yeah. But can I just also say anyway, Reese Walsh? Yep. Another one. They let him go a few weeks ago. He's going to be their long-term fullback. That's why Raja Tuivasa-Shek moved to the wing so that they can give him half a season at fullback so he hits the ground running for next year. That's the reason they did it. And just on Reese Walsh, and this is what I mean by players have a certain type. Jermaine Asako, I actually think he's a good player, but he's big, he's strong, he's agile, he's fast, right? It's almost like, now we need a big guy at, at um, fullback. They do. Some clubs have got a height requirement for fullback. Like, they, they want him to be six. Th- I can't remember the exact number, but and, and that's why Matt Dufty's having such a hard time. Because Anthony Griffin's one of those guys. I want a big, yes, strong he is. fullback. Uh, and this is what I mean. Like, but you watch a game, and Matt Dufty can change a game. He, he Yeah, he okay, has the odd game here or there where he makes a mistake. Depends on the style of football you want to play. It does. But his impact, he's impacting the game, but it's like they can't overlook... The physical attributes, right? Reese Walsh is balanced. He's got good ball skill and speed and he's elusive. He's almost like a, a shorter version, at least initially on first glance, of Ponga. He's very well balanced, which is really important in being able to move into space and being able to be balanced when you're passing and ball playing, right? So I thought that was a positive. But Melbourne, far too good. It's good to see... Um, Remus Smith coming to, like I said, coming to his own. He's playing with a lot more enthusiasm and fire with Melbourne, and he's getting better, which is a what did scary you think of, thought. What did you think of Tommy Turbo? I thought Tommy Turbo was sensational, but he actually morphed into um, Nico Hines in this game, and he actually <laughs> just ball played a little bit more. But you can see the difference between Pappenheisen and Nico Hines. They give something very different. Nico Hines, he was a bit more direct, but his ball playing was sensational on the fringe as well. And, you know, they were just too good for them. They could have scored heaps more, but one try I did love was Addo Carr's second try. Mate. Oh, great try. Hardly any room to move. Change of pace and literally just blows three or four defenders I thought he was going to pass as well. I thought he was going to pass when he came to the last defender. And he just left him for dead. Left him for dead, yeah. It looked like he was going to pass and he literally changed directions. The fullback had... He moves at such a speed that the fullback doesn't even have time to react to it. And he just skinned him. Like, he's just, his acceleration is actually incredible, I have to say. It's like sprinter you know, do, do you think they'll find a way to keep him in Melbourne next year? If I were at a car, if he really doesn't have to move back to Sydney because of family reasons and, you know, wants to be closer to his family and extended friend network, I'd stay. I'd try and stay in Melbourne. Like, why would you leave? Yeah, I agree. It might be the money, but the thing is, Addo Carr is such a unique winger and his acceleration is unmatched by almost anybody in the competition. Is he going to be one of the people you're going to bring onto the des- deserted island? He might be. He could probably swim so fast that we'd get home in no time. Well, how would he feel about your nudity? I'm not sure. He'd probably run away as fast as he could. But, um, <laughs> which is pretty fast. Yeah, which is pretty fast. So... I don't think he'd, he'd, he'd see that at all. So, But Melbourne, just classy, good football. Like passing, vision, skill, speed. They, they got everything. And Munster, again, just orchestrating stuff. 
around the park, and they're, they're fantastic. Too good for, for the Warriors. Way too good. And Warriors, you know what? They need to play some footy. Play some footy. Yeah, they scored 20 points, though, G. I mean, I don't know. They were never going to beat Melbourne. I mean, it just is what it is, right? I mean, they're, just, they're, not, they're not ready. They don't, they don't have the cattle. They're, they're, they're a good few years away from being at Melbourne's level. So, all right, that brings us to the end of round seven. We'll, we'll move on to our round eight preview. So first up on Thursday night, it's the Raiders versus Souths. Now, this should be an absolute bloody rip-snorter blockbuster of a game. The Raiders are $2.35 outsiders. Souths are $1.60 favourites. The Raiders have three-and-a-half-point start. The game is in Canberra, um, but I am tipping the Bunnies. I After what I saw last week and the impact that Cody Walker had from fullback, I think they're going to be a little bit too strong for the Raiders. I don't think the Raiders have enough speed to trouble the Rabbitohs' defence. I think the Titans played an expansive form of football and basically pulled apart the Rabbitohs' defence. The Raiders don't play that way. And I can't see, you know, Jack White and running over everybody and scoring tries. Um, I think the the Rabbitohs, with Walker acting as that third ball player and actually trailing the ball through the... And he explodes through the gaps... He brings more versatility to their football at fullback as well. And having Benji there at least being solid with a little bit of magic, I think they're going to be too good for Canberra. And Canberra, whilst their attack was a lot better, I think their attack again needs to improve to beat some of these better teams. And they they seem to still be finding their way there. They're just, um, I don't think they're in the right form to beat the Rabbitohs. I, I, I think Souths will win this game. So moving on to the Friday night games, the early kickoff, the 6pm kickoff is the Storm versus the Sharks in Melbourne. The Storm are $1.12 favourites. The Sharks are $6.50 outsiders. The Sharks have 17.5 points start. Now, I, th- I think the Storm is going to win this because the Sharks are in disarray. I think the Storm will win this and win this easily. I think they'll cover the 17-point start. I think watching them oh, play against... Do you against... think so? I thought, I thought, I thought that, that line was just about... On the money, right? I just, I just, I, they're too fast, too good, too strong. Too fast, too good. Jesse Ramian on the weekend the, against here's the, the problem. Here's the problem with this team. So if, if I line up from one to thirty-four, the best players on the park, first ten are going to be Storm players. Probably more. If you think about it, the Sharks almost have players that are kind of like the Storm players, but not quite as good. You know, um, their props. Jesse Bromwich is better. Um, they, they're hookers. Oh, the Braley's actually Braley's a good hooker. Braley's probably the the outsider. But watching Hirati on the weekend, watching um, Ramian, Ramian's carrying a lot of pud, right? So there was a few times where he was in the clean. He tried to step inside. He's powerful, but when the defense can slide across, you're not going to steamroll four guys, which he tried to do against the Bulldogs, and he couldn't quite take advantage of the space created for him. And against the Storm, that that space won't be there. So Hirati and Ramian are too slow on the fringe. And Connor Tracy not being at centre, I think, makes the Sharks a little bit weaker. And they don't, honestly, they just don't have enough to trouble the Storm's defence if they turn up. They've killed this season with the John Morris thing. There's also that, you know, Metatesta angle. And Storm by 20. I don't know if they'll cover the 17.5. The Sharks' defence has been quite good up until last the first 20 minutes of last week. So I, I has, still got... I, yeah, has. I agree. I agree. Don't know. but Storm by 20 for me, T. I think Storm will win. I'm not sure on the 17 and a half. If you, the, another blockbuster game for Channel 9 on the Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> the Broncos versus the Titans. It's at Suncorp. Broncos are $3.75. Titans are $1.28. Broncos have 12 and a half points start. I think the Titans will win, and I think they'll win by more than 12 and a half. If they play anywhere like they did against South, and this is the thing with the Titans, they've been very hot and cold, they're just going to be too strong for the Broncos. Dave Fafito hopefully will be fired up. 
again to play against Brisbane. And I think um, they might have a little bit too much for the Broncos. But part of it is depend on Fogarty and Ash Taylor. Ash Taylor's not in the best shape. And defensively, he's improved defensively, but he can't keep up the defensive effort because he's fatigued. Yeah, because he's fat. Yeah, it is. You could see it. You can see him laboring around the field, which is a pity because he's a brilliant, brilliant player. But the Titans just seem to have a little bit too much for the Broncos. And if they apply the blowtorch, mate, I can't see the Broncos coping. I think the Titans on... Dave Fafita's side against the Broncos' right edge. I mean, he could not get a good match. Trick. Not a not a good match. All right, we move on to the Saturday Super Saturday games. Ooh, Tommy Turbo versus the Panthers. Yep. So Tommy, we got the Panthers versus Manly at uh, Penrith Park. Panthers are a dollar twenty. Manly are at four dollars fifty. Manly have fourteen and a half point start. I think the Panthers will win, but I think it'll be less than fourteen and a half points. I think this is going to be an actual good game, far better than the previous Penrith versus Manly game. I think that's probably fair. It's in Bathurst, so the Panthers will be used to the. Oh, it's not a Penrith stadium. No, it's at Bathurst, so right. it's still technically the west for Penrith. It's a bit further west. A bit further west, just slightly. It's a long way for the people from the northern beaches to go. Um, they don't even travel to the northern beaches half the time. So <laughs> to the next beach. Yeah, correct. So they're not going to Bathurst. This will be a good test for Manly to see how much firepower they've got. They've be, they've blown away a couple of teams the last couple of weeks, like really convincingly. Tommy Turbo's transformed the side. Now they're coming up against probably the best defence and best fast-moving defence in the competition in Penrith. Penrith isn't going to let up. I'm expecting them to win, but I'm interested to see. This is a good measuring stick for the Seagulls. It's a big game. It's a big team. They're on the upswing, and Penrith will come out firing. They're pretty much full strength. It'll be interesting to see um, how this game goes. I'm tipping Penrith, but see what the Seagulls have got this week. That was a long way to come up with Panthers less than 14 points. Okay, moving on to the second game on Super Saturday game you and I are going to, the ANZ Next. Stadium blockbuster. Bulldogs Next. versus Eels. I think the Eels are getting Next. Up. I think this game will be oh, closer really? than people you think. You really believe it? I do. I, I do. Don't. I think it'll be closer than you think. You're always up for the game against the Eels, generally speaking, and you've had a win last week, so I think there's a little bit there. But but if, if Parramatta play to 60% of their potential, they'll win by 30. What kind of a comment was that? <laughs> I think there's something there. It's going to be a close one. But if Para plays sixty percent, it's going to win. they're going to win by thirty. Yeah, but okay. the issue is Para plays down to its opponents. That is a possibility for Para. I actually think this will be Para by thirty to forty. The Bulldogs bar the first fifteen or twenty minutes and abominable mistakes by Dugan. The Sharks still could have scored five or six tries, and they never look like scoring. At any other time, the Bulldogs, other than from... The Eels aren't going to give them that field position. Their defense is better. And in attack, the Eels are looking far more dangerous and more enthusiastic and playing with a far more versatile style of football. And they're just going to have too much. The Bulldogs aren't going to throw anything at them and they're going to be too good. I think they'll beat them by at least... I think at least 28 points. Well, the, bull, bull, the Bulldogs have got an 18 and a half. 18 and a half start. They'll cover that. At least by 20, 20 plus for the Eels for sure. Did I give the odds? Bulldogs were $7, Eels $1.10. I, th- I think the Eels will win. I think we both think the Eels will win. But I look f- if, if it does happen by 30 or 40 points, I look forward I look forward to giving you an absolute gobful at the end of that game. All right, if you move on to the last game of Super Saturday, it's the Knights versus the Roosters in Newcastle. Hit, hit, hit a man when he's down. God. Well, I mean, you've been down for years. So... It's a $2.70 for the Knights, $1.47 for the Roosters. The Knights have six-point start. It's in Newcastle. 
I think the Roosters are going to have a little bit too much class. Again, I think that class issue, I think Sam Walker's playing well. I think they'll cover the six points too. I think your issue is going to be similar to last week with the Roosters versus Dragons, where I think the Knights will... Yeah, they'll hang with them for the first 20 or 30 minutes. Kalen Ponga and some of the other players will create a few opportunities. But ultimately, the Knights don't quite have enough at the moment to trouble a defence like the Roosters. And I think Sam Walker... You know, he's, he's building and building, and I just think he'll add a little bit more touches of class and have enough with the rest of the Roosters' outside backs to beat the Knights. They're, they're, they're a little bit too intense in defence. Their, their attitude and enthusiasm is still there, the Roosters, and the Knights aren't a team that's going to trouble them that much. I don't think the Roosters will beat them by a lot. I think the Roosters will score, a, um, the Knights will score a couple of tries. I think it'll be 10 points. I think they'll, they'll cover the six. I think they will cover the six. But I think the Roosters will probably beat them by 10 to 12 solely because defensively they're going to be too strong to break for the Knights on a consistent basis. Okay, so we move on to the Sunday games then. First up, we've got the Warriors versus the Cowboys. Um, the Warriors are playing at Central Coast Stadium as their home ground still. It's $1.55, the Warriors. The Cowboys are $2.45. The Cowboys have four and a half points start. This is a tough game to pick. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the hardest game. I think the Cowboys might get this, and I'll tell you why I think that. I think the Warriors are not playing with enough expressiveness, and I think the Cowboys, if they can get on a roll, the way Val Holmes and Drinkwater and that's playing, I just think they could, you know, they'll never be out of the game, is my view. I don't think the Warriors, if, if, I, th- I can see the Cowboys scoring 26 points, I can't see the Warriors scoring 26 points the way they're playing. I agree with you. I think the Cowboys have started to come into a little bit more form and a little bit more confidence in their attack. Um, defensively, they're still not the greatest, but they feel like they can score points. They're growing week by week. And like you, I don't think the Warriors are throwing enough at a defense to beat some of these teams. I think they've got the ability and they can hang in there. But ultimately, I think um, the Cowboys are going to play a little bit too much of an expansive game for the Warriors. I think it'll be tight. I think the Warriors this year are trying to grind out results. And I, th- I think there's too, mu- there's too much footy in the Cowboys team for them. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't think they... The, the Cowboys' defense isn't the greatest, and the Warriors could challenge that. But regardless of the opposition, they're trying to grind out the result irrespective. So I think the Cowboys will just have a little bit too much for them. But I do think it'll be a close game. I don't think the Cowboys are going to flog anybody. So, But that this is a hard game to pick. I'm gonna, this is the most difficult pick of the round. Okay, can we move on to the last game of the round? Because I have to go pick up my daughter. The Dragons versus the Tigers. In the game of the weekend. <laughs> For another Channel, Channel 9. 9. Another Channel 9 blockbuster. Just, the Dragons is at Cogra. Was it a Cogra or, or no, it's at Wynn. It's in Wollongong. Win Stadium. It's the Dragons $1.32. The Tigers $3.40. The Tigers have nine and a half points start. I think the Tigers are in disarray. And I just, I just, the Dragons, my God, they just, how can they lose this game? I don't think they will. I think against the Roosters defensively, they were quite good for most of the game until, you know, they sort of, Felt like they were out of it, and then they kind of dropped. They they dropped from fatigue and just. I think the dragons will cover the nine and a half too. I think they're going to kill them. I think them. so. I think the dragons will come out playing a lot better, and I think they're just going to have too much for the tiger. I don't think the tigers. You don't know what you're going to get. Like they performed, their enthusiasm went up for a couple of weeks, and now it seems to have just dropped off again. And their massive defensive areas and huge gaps in defense as well. I think they're just not quite there. They're you know eighty percent. They're turning up. But I think there's that that element of not playing for the coach. I think is really there. I think it's it shows up every now and again. I think the Dragons will be too good this week. Agreed. All right. Well, this brings us to the close of another GNT show for another week. Once again, 
Thank you, G, for joining us. And we'll, we'll, of course, join you again next week as we preview all our incorrect tips from round eight. I'm on fire. Seven. I'm tipping seven this week. See you next week, T. You are well behind me in the tipping comp. I just want to point that out. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.